0: Welcome, fellow A-10 coaches, to the Schmidt home. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people, and now you're going to hear about it. You, Jamie and Christian. My son tells me George Washington stinks. They're worse than them who hasn't even played a game. And you, Bob McKillop. How are you so damn good looking at your age? It's just not fair. (laughs) Don't laugh too hard over there, Keith Dambrat. I don't know if you think that iced tea is going to make you taller, but it ain't working, short stuff. (laughs)
1: Last
0: and certainly least, Mr. Travis Ford. I bet Santa's leaving you more just-for-men hair gel under the aluminum pole, right? Well, too bad. We don't do gifts on Festivus. But look at this pole, though. Isn't it nice? Very high strength-to-weight ratio. It's almost twice the size of Fats Russell. Uh, Oh, sorry. I got distracted there. Now, as Festivus rolls on, we come to the feats of strength. <laughs> Jeff Newbauer, get over here and take your shirt off. Until you pin me, Jeff, Festivus is not over. <laughs> SB Unfurled and Friends, Episode 17, Let's Rumble! back everyone to episode 17 of SB Unfurled and friends. Lil Bon X here with SB Unfurled. We finally got games to talk about. Two games have happened already. Two Bonnies wins and that's all you can really ask for right now.
2: Yeah absolutely and especially the results that we got. Um, I, I think the Akron game just a wire to wire easy victory which is saying something coming off of such a long break that we had. We were kind of wondering how our guys would come out if they wouldn't have their legs. Um, Hofstra looked like it was going to be another wire-to-wire win, maybe even a blowout like last year when we played them uh, for that Final Four anniversary, but that was not the case at all. They made that really, really scary uh, late in the second half.
0: Yeah, it was just... So much fun to finally be overreacting to every little thing on Twitter and just every little play. It was just so much fun to finally have Bonnie's basketball back in our lives. Um, I know it must feel so great for the guys to finally be out there, too. It was just so nice to see that that Akron game gave us all a great excuse to not pay attention to some work, of course.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I know. And then uh, the UB game, which we'll get to later, also.
0: Um, No, no, that's fine. No, gonna... Sorry. I'll... SUNY Amherst. Let's <laughs> let's keep track of that throughout this pod because we will be previewing the SUNY Amherst game.
2: Yeah, SUNY A. We'll
0: have to yep. keep track of who has uh, more slip ups and says UB. <laughs> uh, we're one to one now so I, since I just said it.
2: <laughs> we'll probably have less than we've already had of the English homes slip ups. 'Cause I'm I'm all SUNY Amherst for now and I will not say uh I will not say uh you know
0: you- I'll give you a pass. Exam.
2: I will not say UB again. It's all SUNY okay. Amherst. I mean okay. I'll probably even put it in my graphics just to kind of piss them off. Those fans, by the way, which we'll get to later as well, the worst, just the absolute worst online <laughs> online fan base there is.
0: And they're gonna be especially fired up because a lot of us are a lot of people here are Bills fans and of course UB ah, two to one. Oh, <laughs> SUNY Amherst has a lot of uh, Bills fans, I'm sure too.
2: Well, I feel like because the Bills are doing so well, all of those kind of like all those fair weather fans that SUNY Amherst has have completely forgot about the Bulls. They're just only thinking about the Bills. They they don't even really care about the SUNY Amherst Bulls right now. So that's you know, and that's that's kind of how their fan base is to be honest. It's very fair yeah, weather.
0: They're not paying attention. To no, them. they don't really care. Not either. at all. <laughs> but first off with Akron, I guess we had a really good showdown with uh Lofton and Lauren Christian Jackson as we predicted. Um uh, mm-hmm. Christian Jacks had 22, often also had a good game. But, of course, Oshun had the best game, a career-high 25 points. What would you take away from Akron?
2: Well, we talked about on our on our last episode how Schmidt, if, if the staff has an opponent that's really reliant on one guy, whether it's Rhode Island with Fats Russell or like St. Joe's with Ryan Daly – they usually figure out a way, a, a good game plan defensively to bottle them up, to not let them do way too much damage. And and we've said it's really the balance teams like Davidson's and St. Louis that give us a lot of trouble. And that's kind of what happened. I mean, at least for the first 25, 30 minutes, Christian Jackson only had, I think, four points in the first half. We did a really, really good job on him um, in the first half. And then You know, this team, it's become a little bit of a theme over the first two games, getting off to a good start. And then Ray went off for Hofstra, just like Lauren Jackson did in the second half. You wonder if they may be a little fatigued. You know, they don't have their endurance back yet from being on quarantine. So I'm wondering if that's playing a factor. But I I thought, you know, they did a a pretty good job on Christian Jackson for – 80 90 percent of that game and then you know Oshun really taking advantage of of the size mismatch down low Uh, you could just tell that he was he was the most dominant player on the court and it really wasn't even close
0: yeah we're starting to see at least in the first two games a little bit more of the same thing of last year with Oshun being the clear trend of how we're gonna play we saw against Hofstra Oshun getting to a couple a little bit of foul trouble, by the way, that second foul call on him at the beginning of the second half, total phantom call. He basically kind of fell down near a player mm-hmm. from Hofstra and the Hofstra guy kind of went next to him and touched him and it didn't really like cause any like pain. It didn't like alter the guy's shot or anything, but they called it a foul and then 20 seconds later, Oshun picks up the third and then we're just, yeah. other than Jalen Shaw's awesome uh, breakaway dunk, that was um, <laughs> that was a tr- tough period. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it was, and, and back to the to the Akron game too. I think it was like the first defensive possession. It, it looked like it was a nice charge taken by by Ocean, which he's shown us he's so good at doing, knowing when to go for a block or when to take a charge. They got him with the with a blocking foul, which I thought wasn't wasn't the best call. But um, I think that's two games in a row that he's picked up a quick one on like the first or second possession. So heading into UB, oh shit, sorry. Heading Tutu. into SUNY Amherst um, <laughs> and into that game. Last year, he fouled out in that game. He only played 17 minutes up at SUNY Amherst. And, I mean, I, I, I kind of remember two of those being really, really tough calls. It becomes so cliche to say, oh, you know, Ocean's got to stay out of foul trouble. But seriously, in this in this SUNY Amherst game, they got big physical guys like Josh Mbala down low. Uh, they, they have some... some tough guys who have got him into foul trouble the last couple of years. So that, that will be something to keep an eye out for on Tuesday.
0: Yeah. As we look at you,
2: uh, you didn't get it all uh, the way. You didn't, you didn't, I didn't say
0: court. it. No. I didn't. University of SUNY Amherst. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> as we get into that game, looking back on our matchup last year, that's when it all fell apart because Oshun picked up his second foul. When we were up about ten, yeah, Justin Winston ended up playing the five, and the lead evaporated in like two minutes. So it's more of that, unfortunately, of the same concern of hopefully Oshun stays out of foul trouble. But beyond that, what do you think about how Lofton has been playing in terms of defense? Because he Jalen Ray really went off in the second half against Hofstra. He did, and
2: and it looked like I mean the first half again. Our whole team, all of our starters, really, and Lofton included, has been they've been doing a, a really good job uh, not letting teams get good looks. You saw a couple off-balance shots by Coburn. One went in in the first half. Hofstra had their fair share of decent looks, I would say, from three, but they were just chucking. Anytime they got a, a little bit of separation, they were chucking. I think they shot like 14 threes in the first half, maybe or two of 12 or two of 14, something like that. That can... I mean, I'm okay with letting teams like that shoot a lot of threes. They're going to shoot themselves out of some games when we just can kind of control the pace and, and maintain a, a steady half-court offense. So I think Lofton for the first 25, 30 minutes, again, has been doing a, a good job, but then it's just that I think it might be that fatigue factor, and we're seeing him only play only play 34 minutes against Hofstra, which is very low for him. So I think Schmidt is kind of taking that into consideration maybe these guys aren't up to where they need to be endurance wise yet
0: and it also hurts to not have anthony roberts yeah i don't want to say back he hasn't even played yet for us because he's supposed to be pretty good coming from kent state and he would be an ideal person to back up lofton but without him there lofton's kind of he has to stay in
2: And that's the thing, Anthony Roberts. I've heard is someone who will be Lofton's backup in those spots, and that's not all he is going to be like Caputo was, uh, two years ago. Anthony Roberts is a really, really good scorer. He's going to be a a major scoring punch off the bench, which is what we kind of want, like a Vasquez to be, or sometimes even like Winston. Uh, So, Anthony Roberts, I, I I'm hearing maybe. He'll be good to go against SUNY Amherst. We'll have to wait and see, uh, but he'll yeah he'll provide a, a backup to Lofton, and he'll be a good you know two three combo type guard, um, and and he'll be able to just just another threat to have out there because we do still go stagnant sometimes. Guys aren't necessarily creating their own shots. Some guys are going cold. Just another another good option for Schmidt to have.
0: Yeah, and when you talk about that 2-3 position, that was where the game, I think, was won against Hofstra, especially in those cold stretches of the second half where Dominic Welch, as you mentioned online, that um, he was the player of the game. I agree with you on that. Can you just t- talk a little bit about what you saw statistically that made him think that or made him... Player of the game.
2: I have uh, kind of this formula that I created just for my graphics to make it a little more um, easy for people to take in. Last year, it was kind of a hodgepodge of different things. I wanted just one uniform graphic for all teams. So I just plug in these numbers and whoever's the whoever's the MVP is the MVP. I'm not putting in my two cents at all, but Welch, uh, he was Pretty efficient. And I thought maybe Lofton or Oshun would get it, but you know, these advanced metrics really, really like Dominic Welch over the first two games, even as good of a game as Oshun had against Akron. Welch is our number one uh, rated player heading into the SUNY Amherst game. And I think he's taken a huge leap so far from last year. I mean, he's he's looking to attack the rim a little bit more, he's looking to uh, I, he's created some of his own shots. I, I think he, he doesn't really love to catch and shoot. He likes that one dribble to get set up, but I just think he's, you know, defensively, he's even, you know, just super athletic, a really, really good rebounder for being six, five, really strong hands. And his shot, his shot was just, it was falling, uh, against Hofstra. And he, to me so far has been probably the most impressive player overall in all aspects
0: yeah I mean we look at Oshun and he had a double double against Hofstra with 14 points 12 boards but Welch had 15 points and eight boards yeah so he was only two away from having a double double himself and that just kind of speaks to how he's developed because there have been times last year when maybe he was out too far or something and wouldn't really be able to help us you know get some of those boards on defense which would lead to more offensive boards for the other team and more points Mm -hmm. he was able to at least do that so far so he's definitely stepped up and it's it it, it, it's hard to say anything else but that we have three great players and we're still kind of waiting for a fourth to emerge yeah I mean Holmes has shown stuff especially last season we're now starting to see Attaway right who do you think can take over as like a fourth player that may have to be the best player in a particular game if somebody's in foul trouble and somebody's injured or has COVID, unfortunately. Yeah.
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna answer that in one second. One other thing I do want to add about Welch real quick. He was three of four from three. He had the highest offensive rating kind of by far against Hofstra with a 144, <laughs> which is phenomenal. So he's three for four from deep a uh, 144 offensive offensive rating. And even Ken Palm had him as that game's MVP as well. And that's a whole different system than what I'm using. Um, as far as a fourth guy, and you're right, we have three studs and it's they're at such different positions at the one, at the three and at the five, which is really what you want. Um, and we've been waiting for, you know, Welch was kind of streaky last year. Maybe he can be more consistent this year. I mean, Guys are going to have off games, of course, uh, but I, I think he'll be a little more consistent. As far as a fourth guy, that's a really good question. and I We are still waiting to see Roberts, um, like you said, and it's going to be a few games before he gets back into you know, mid-season form, so we're not going to make judgments on him the first game or two that he's back, but I've really liked Jalen Attaway uh, so far this season. He's just been kind of undersized for a four. He's six five, but he doesn't really look it when he's on the court. Like he, he does look a little bit bigger, um, and he's going to be so important in that spot because last year that position, whether it was Winston, you know, making some freshman mistakes or Bobby Planudis just being ice cold and that four spot killed us. And it lost us a couple games in the conference, in my opinion. So I, I just think that's, that spot is so important. It's not deep enough where we can, you know, plug in different guys and see who's going to catch fire like we can in the two and three spots. So if, you know, if, Vasquez is having a bad game, or Holmes, or uh, you know Creel, or Roberts. We can really Schmick can mix and match and find it find a way for that to work. At the four spot, it's like it's Winston or Addaway, and that's you know it, we're not deep enough there to make mistakes. So I would say Flight Thirty Three for the the fourth most important guy.
0: Flight Thirty Three was definitely having some. Uh, he had didn't he have one dunk against. Yes. Yeah, uh, was it Hofstra? He had he had one crazy dunk, right?
2: Yeah, he had a two handed like yeah. uh, vertical dunk, and then that down the stretch when it was really close and we needed guys to step up, there was like three three possessions in a row that were just beautiful passes. I think two were alley oops, and one was a feed from loft to Ocean for a dunk, and uh, I believe Attaway was on the receiving. That's right. Of, he of had the alley oop. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say, Attaway threw those alley-oops to Ocean at the end. That's where yeah. I got mixed up.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then I think Holmes threw one to Attaway. So they were, sh- they were sharing the ball really well. They had 19 assists on 30 field goals, which is, you know, that's not <laughs> – if you look at other teams in the league, unless you're looking at, like, a Davidson or something, sometimes they'll have guys that just – They play hero ball and they shoot you out of games. That's not going to happen with us this year. Kyle Lofton last year was about as steady as you can get. Ironically, the only game he kind of tried to take over and almost did was against Suny Amherst when he shot like 24 shots and had 30 some points. That's not going to happen much this year. We're so balanced and we're sharing the ball so well that anyone can be the MVP on any given day
0: I was surprised to see that we actually had more assists against Hofstra than Akron because maybe it was just because it was a brand new season and I hadn't seen them in months but it just felt like the Akron game they were just slinging the ball all over the court and I mean they were too on against Hofstra so maybe I was just more shocked by it on Tuesday but it was it's amazing to see and if they can keep that up that's going to be key because we've seen In past years, the half-court offense really bogged down when we don't have the ability to run. We don't have the ability to hit threes. When those issues pop up, our Mm -hmm. half-court offense really can bog down. And that's kind of what did happen in some stretches of the second half against Hofstra. So if they can can keep putting that together, that'll be huge, especially as we get into A-10 play.
2: Yeah, and we talked about that before the season started, how last year – like. We were saying, what what can we improve on? And I said, we went too many games last year from one media timeout to the other, to the next, without scoring a point. Not even getting, like, it's not like we just go cold. We don't even find a way to get to the line. And that really lets teams back into games. And this is exactly what we were talking about. And it's exactly what happened against Hofstra. We went from, I think, the under... 12 media timeout or the under eight media timeout to the next media timeout without even scoring a point and Hofstra got right back into the game so there's too many good players to have that long of a cold stretch someone's got to be able to figure it out and get to the line or or something because yeah there's it we're just too balanced to have that happen
0: yeah I'm just looking at the numbers here Hofstra won the Kempom breaks down by quarters Hofstra won the third quarter 24 to 12 which is yeah that's crazy to win. Like if you picture it like an NBA game or like what we do in 2K. Yeah, they won the third quarter, 24 to 12, which that's why they came back pretty much.
2: Yeah, and 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 that that stretch that they did come back is when Ocean was out with, of course, out with three fouls. He picked up his third with I think like 18 and a half minutes left. And credit Shaw. I thought Shaw came in and actually did provide us really big minutes, and um, he had some good plays. But uh, Ocean is just such a such a presence offensively and defensively that that you know if you if you go on and look at the rotation and the game flow timeline that I tweeted, you can see where Hofstra comes back. It is in that third quarter, and it is when Ocean and Ado are out. and thought about a three, Holmes will take it, and he'll
0: hit it. Nothing but nylon. It's great to be back in your own gym. What was it like to for you to see an empty Riley Center? Because to me, it obviously felt weird. Yeah. But I, I thought they did some good things with, you know, the virtual fans and they, they tried piping in crowd noise. And at the beginning it was like way too loud and didn't make sense. But mm-hmm. it, it, this whole thing for everybody has been a learning process. So I can't blame them too much, but what'd yeah. you, what'd you think watching on ESPN plus?
2: <laughs> I was watching at, I was watching at the Burton actually. And
0: well, you, you're lucky yeah, you lucky. <laughs> I had to make my own Burton burger at home.
2: <laughs> I had an authentic Burton burger served to me, like right in the, in the middle of the first half, it was perfect. But you know, when you're watching at a bar and people are talking and the TV's on, it's not too loud. You can't really tell. I, like, I couldn't even hear the crowd noise getting piped in. And I know you said something about it on Twitter. And I was like, wow, there's crowd noise, they're piping in crowd noise. So I have no idea how that sounded. I will have to go back. I should have done that today. I went back and watched the broadcast. For me, it was more just eyes, not, not ears for that game to be honest, I was so focused on the guys on the court and what was going on in the game that I hardly even noticed it, if I'm being completely honest.
0: No, it was fine, but it, it just sounded like it was, they might have Googled or went on YouTube to find like 10 hours of crowd noise oh, really? and like put that on low. And then every oh. now and then they would ha- insert like a let's go bonus thing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it, they're trying. Yeah. I'm not going to fault them for that. I know they, there's kinks to work out. I know like, I saw when they put up some of those virtual fans on their Zoom, mm-hmm. it was like definitely delayed because some of the people were not even paying attention. Oh, really? <laughs> and yeah. then, yeah, they weren't even paying attention <laughs> because it was probably so delayed. Because I'm sure people are streaming on different devices, and I don't, yeah. I don't know. Like, I think they figured it out towards the end there, but it was, it's like I said, it was a learning process. But yeah. we, we, we talked before a few weeks ago about the cardboard cutouts they're doing. Yep. Yeah. I know one that a lot of people were enjoying is somebody made a cardboard cutout of Jim Beheim picking his nose. I saw that. And that is an excellent one. Shout out to whoever did that.
2: (laughs) I did see that one. That was on quite a bit. I think it's like right behind the foul shooter at that angle when they're shooting free throws. That was when (laughs) they just kept popping up and it was just Beheim with his finger up his nose.
0: Yeah, that's (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure the school was happy to put that one in a particular spot. Yeah. I'm hoping that we can actually see more of them when they're not on ESPN+. I think the cameras are very limited, especially this year. They probably only have, like, two or three cameramen. Whereas if, when we get CBS Sports or, you know, NBC Sports or even Stadium, maybe there'll be yeah. a few more cameras that we can actually see more of the cutouts. Because I, I didn't even see the Bonafanatic.
2: In the other A-10 games I'm watching, whether it's at Dayton or at – it might have been UMass. During timeouts, they'll just put the camera right on the cutouts and keep it there for, like, 30 seconds. Or they'll pan over the cr- the crowd and you can see all the different cutouts and stuff. It's it's more just an intro to game action or an outro. Um, but, yeah, I didn't really notice that too much either. So I, I think when we get different broadcasts, like you said, we'll be able to see a, a wide array of, of all the cutouts that we have in the RC.
0: Yeah, and I think the saddest ones I've seen so far from watching other A-10 teams, I'm pretty sure at Tom Gold Arena, of course, the saddest <laughs> one. I think they have, like, five. And they're ah. not, like, the... You know how our cardboard cutouts are shaped kind of like a human body? Yeah. Those are just like big, like poster boards. They're just squares. They're just yeah. Squares. And I, I, I don't even know, like they were just like five random people and it was like only five. So I'm like, oh, okay. This is pretty accurate
2: for LaSalle, Tom just cut up refrigerator boxes and put, <laughs> put <laughs> computer printing on it.
0: Yeah. I... They went behind Patty's Pub to go yeah. find <laughs> some boxes. <laughs> they went in that big swimming pool. Yeah.
2: I know road roadies has roadies look pretty good too. I think they have, they have quite a few and there's that's one that I, that I liked their setup. So, but I, I, yeah, I'm surprised Tom goal <laughs> even has any,
0: I love the um, roadie Davidson game for Friday 10 on last Friday. Yeah. When at the very end of the game and Davidson had beaten roadie at, at roadie, they like ended the broadcast and they were just like slowly zooming in on this big stuffed Ram with a mask, one of the green surgical masks. Just slowly zooming in on him by himself. And it reminded me of that Saint John's mascot when the Big East tournament got shut down and sitting by himself. It was just like so yeah. sad. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> take that, Roadie, I guess, because as we know, you don't want to play Davidson on Friday night on East Oh no. That's
2: they'll go lights out. They'll go lights out against us. There's no doubt about it. They'll hit like that young Jung Lee kid'll hit like 10 threes in the I think we're in the Riley Center. No, we're in Davidson, right? He'll still yeah, hit. it's at, Davidson. He'll still hit at Davidson the end of the month. I also saw that the St. Joe's Hawk, he'll be at home games, but for away games because of COVID, he's not traveling. He's going to have an Instagram live feed of his <laughs> him just flapping. It's just going to be a camera of him flapping Wait, his wings the whole game.
0: This is serious. Yeah, I swear to God. Yep. Oh, Sorry. my. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. well, I mean, it's corny, but it's also hilarious. Yeah.
2: Because <laughs> he, I mean that, that hawk travels to every away game, no matter what. So they have to keep the tradition alive.
0: No, I've said it before. Even though I literally have a feather that fell off the yep. hawk, I do not want a piece of the hawk. That guy, <laughs> that guy flaps yeah. his arms for two hours. I yeah. don't know. No. Yes, he does.
1: <laughs> the bills make me wanna kick your heels up and sound, throw your hands up and Show. throw your head back and Show. Come on now, the bills are making it happen now.
0: All right, but before we get to the A10 play, though, we got one final non-conference game, at least as of right now. Hopefully. We have an open date on the 27th. Yeah, maybe we can, you know, find somebody. I know a lot of A10 fans have been chirping Luca Gar- Garza in Iowa. I said to Iowa, I'm like, hey, come play the Bonnies on the 27th.
2: Need another game in there. We we really do. Now that we're off to a good start, especially if we beat UB and get to three and zero, we got to try to find another
0: game. And speaking of three, that's three for you on the uh, on the Amherst counter. <laughs> oh, I thought I was good. I thought I was good the rest of the way, but this is tough. <laughs> hey, it's not – podcast is not over yet. Um, But getting to the SUNY Amherst game, what, what do you think is going to be the key? We kind of touched on like uh, Josh Mbala being a huge force down low for them. Yeah. I looked in at the overtime game between uh, the Bulls <laughs> and Syracuse. I almost said it there. <laughs> but they – they took Syracuse to overtime. They lost in overtime, and I mm-hmm. thought it was weird. I didn't see the first half and second half. I only saw the overtime, but I thought it was weird that Syracuse would be playing overtime with the score regulation being 87-87. Syracuse doesn't give up 87 points. Yeah. So that either tells me, A, Syracuse is not the same Syracuse as we're normally used to, or B, that SUNY Amherst has a really good offense. I don't I don't know. What, what, do, you, what do you think in terms of SUNY? Amherst.
2: Uh well, SUNY Amherst this year they 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 like to play at a really fast pace and it's kind of it's not very similar to ours. We kind of like to slow it down. Um our pace is much much slower than theirs. But what they did against Syracuse was kind they don't rely on the three. So they kind of pounded the ball down low and Syracuse was doing the same thing to them. Syracuse got to the line like I think they shot 29 free throws. Which, I mean, it's in the carrier dome, so take take that as you will. But, uh, I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, SUNY Amherst, they have really good players like we do at point, down low, and on the wing. Jonathan Williams, uh, probably going to be matched up on the wing against like a Welch or Holmes. He's a 6'5. He, he's, Right now, I think their best overall player, Mbala, actually comes off the bench. And they have kind of a conveyor belt of bigs who are really capable and they're pretty physical, which is what I'm worried about with Ocean down low against these Mbala types. Even like Isaac Conte for Hofstra had possessions where he, he can kind of out-physical you. And that's what UB has too. Uh, Bertram down low, 6'11", big guy, good rebounder, good blocker, good, good defender, uh, Fagan, the six, eight, I think he'll probably start, um, at the power forward. And then Mbala coming off the bench and then Hardnet also six, eight. So they just have like all these guys that come in. They, none of them will probably play more than 25, maybe 30 minutes at most. I think Mbala did play a, quite a bit last year against us, but, um, they're going to be bringing it uh, from all angles at Ocean and trying to get him into foul trouble again. So I think our guys are just going to have to um, kind of get out of this. I don't want to say it's a slump <laughs> shooting wise because we did shoot a little bit better, but you just feel it's like sluggish. yeah. It's a sluggish. Other th- other than that, thirty to seven start like. of the season has been, you know, not too impressive jump shooting wise. So we got to just be able to stretch the floor out, get into our half court offense, um, not let them run up and down the court, which is what they kind of like to do at times. And I I think we can, as long as Ocean can stay on the floor for 30 minutes, I think we can, we we should be a better team than them this year.
0: Yeah. Looking at some of their analytics here, it's they're 26th in tempo. So like you said, they are very up-tempo, whereas we're 148, so we're right in the middle. So we're not like – we're not Fordham. We're not going to put people to sleep. But we're right now kind of in the middle with the small sample size there. I was – I saw that Ronaldo Segu, who makes me think of both a soccer player and a pasta sauce, (laughs) um, he was hitting some big shots in the Carrier Dome too for them. He is their – he's their point guard. So while he's not as talented as Lofton is – he could definitely, yeah. you know, stretch the floor for them and, and get us kind of out of sorts on offense or on defense.
2: Yeah, he could. And, you know, another guy, he he has been really good this year. Uh, he's had a – he plays a ton of minutes just like Graves. Graves is the guy I'm worried about. He went off on us last year. So we have to do a much better job than we did at SUNY Amherst last year with Graves. I think him and Lofton combined for like – well over 50 points. He had probably 28. I just remember him not being able to miss. And I think it was mainly in that second half. So uh, good guards on UB. Jonathan Williams on the wing. And then they got that conveyor belt of big men. So uh, it's going to be a tough, I I think it's going to be a tough game. I think it's going to be really close. It's going to be physical. Um, I don't know. This is the one of the three. This is probably looking at their lineup now, doing this a little bit more. They're the team that matches up best with us, I would I would say.
0: Best as in like Be- they have the best chance they, of meeting us.
2: Yes. They yeah. yeah. For for our opponent matching up. Um not not the best matchup for us. The best matchup um for, for an opponent, I would say.
0: And they're three and three. They've they've already played six games, which definitely helps. They've already played two conference games because the MAC has done some early conference games. They they actually beat Towson in Bubbleville when we were supposed to be there. Yeah. <laughs> then they also lost to Army when we were supposed to play them. So yeah, I don't know. But Army almost beat Florida, so maybe Army's getting better. Um. Then they lost to Bowling Green on the road, which no shame in that, since Bowling Green's mm-hmm. probably going to win the MAC. And then they played Mercyhurst. Hmm. <laughs> Okay, they played Mercyhurst. I think I think they were almost trailing at one point in the, when I saw that on Twitter. Anyways, then they also uh, beat Miami Ohio, and then of course Syracuse. So they've they've had a lot of time to actually work through what their game plan is going to yeah. be, whereas we kind of have been doing it on the fly. We're we're in a tough situation, but
1: yeah, it's,
0: so far two and zero. I mean, some of it didn't look pretty, especially in the second half of Hofstra, but we've. You know, he can't ask for too much this year when it comes to, you know, the start of the season anyways.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And another thing I'll add is, I mean, SUNY Amherst is always going to get up for us. Like we, they do think of us as a rival. They're going to give us their best shot. But if there was a year where maybe we are considered a trap game, look at their schedule. We are sandwiched in between Syracuse and one of the best teams in the country, West Virginia.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, West Virginia killed richmond they're
2: very good they're super physical um i kind of wish we were playing ub after west virginia honestly just because of how physical the mountaineers are i said ub again didn't I? damn it
0: now um, you're at six
2: because <laughs> you just said tough. it there this is tough that one doesn't count that was a clarifying question
0: all right i'll give it because five to two i'll give it to you
2: <laughs> but yeah i mean we're we're sandwiched between two uh two name you know big name college teams and West Virginia. I mean, if they're looking ahead at all at that matchup with the Mountaineers, then, you know, that, that could be in our favor.
0: Yeah, that's true. And you kind of mentioned what I was going to ask next. This was a huge debate before last season's game, especially coming off of the unfortunate ass kicking that we got at home. That ended up when that, uh, that sleazebag Nate Oates eventually left. (laughs) Um, is SUNY Amherst a rival of Bonas? Uh,
2: no, I don't think so. I I think they are. They're a team that's going to be on our schedule every year, and they're pretty formidable. I think they're like a step above Siena where in the in the fact that they're they're not Niagara or Canisius or any of those classic little three rivals. But they're a team from New York that we're going to see every year, and they're they're in the better MAC. And most years they should be, you know, between a hundred and a hundred and thirty or so top. You know, they're not going to be ranked uh, anytime soon. I don't think like they were a couple of years ago. But they're a good they're a good team to have on the schedule. They're a good team to ha- you know switch off and on every year with. I don't mind having them as an away game as opposed to going into Kessler or. Um, you know into niagara but i don't i don't think they're on the level of you know duquesne or canisius or niagara
0: i'm gonna disagree with you maybe it's an old school new school thing but Mm -hmm. i think in the last five or so years a there have been a lot of close games a lot of good games going back to when uh i think it was the 2018 season when jay adams was coming off an injury and it was his first game back i was actually up at alumni arena for that one and he uh He had a really huge game, and we beat UB. There's three. Um, But I think between those good games that they've had, the two teams, and just all of the chirping back and forth from both fan bases, I really don't care that we don't play Canisius or Niagara this season. I mean, it'd be cool if we get it just for one more game before Rhodey. but. I'm not heartbroken that we're not playing those two. Even Siena. I mean, I like I like Sienna. I think Siena's a better program than Canisius and Niagara, but I I'm I'm always fired up to play SUNY Amherst. That that's that's I'm sorry that, that even the Duquesne game. Sometimes I feel like maybe maybe I don't know. Duquesne's still more of a rival, but SUNY Amherst, yeah, I I, th- I think it's a rivalry, especially when you have a lot of people that went to Bonaventure that are from like the same high school, the same towns, the same counties, whatever, same communities that one, uh, my, your friend went to SUNY Amherst, you went to Bana's or something. I mean, sure. You can say that also for Canisius and Niagara, but I think since SUNY Amherst is a way bigger school, you're going to know more people that went to SUNY Amherst and therefore you're going to want to beat them a little more than like, oh, that one guy that went to Canisius (laughs) or that one girl that went to Niagara.
2: (laughs) That's fair. I mean, even like 10 years ago, we were having, when we had Andrew Nicholson, we had some really good games. Like Nicholson hit a, a game winner against SUNY Amherst in the Riley Center. It, I mean, they just haven't, I don't know. I, I think I need five or 10 more years. I, I truly hate their fans. I, I hate their program. I.
0: Oh yeah. I'm not trying to compliment them in any nice way. Like, oh, I really like them. I'm rooting for them whenever they don't play us. <laughs> I guess in that way, they would be a rivalry if I hate them that much. I think I think so. And and quite frankly, they're just on a better level than Kanisha and Niagara. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I I think they're just it's it's a more fair fight. Like usually when we lose to Kenesha and Niagara, it's like the world is falling apart. Jay Adams was injured in the home opener that one year. Like <laughs> yeah. usually when we lose to one of those two, there's a catastrophe happening. Exactly. <laughs> Whereas SUNY Amherst, like last year, that was a fair fight. Um Lofton gave him a great game. We lost a close one up there, but You know, at least it felt like, you know, on similar levels.
2: Yeah, I would put them in that second tier. But in the next five or 10 years, I think as long as the college landscape keeps going the way it is, I think we're going to be playing them every every year for a very long time because we're you know, it's a good game for both sides. And you need to fill games in the non-league slate and we're going to go there. They're going to come here. They're going to make shitty jokes that don't make any sense. They're not going to have any self-awareness. Uh, they're going to only root for the team and only watch when the team is doing well. And they're not going to watch if the team is mediocre. And that's just their fan base. But you know, in order to have a rivalry, both fan bases, I feel like, need to be pretty passionate. They're only passionate when they're good.
0: That is true. That is true. I guess it's hard for SUNY Amherst to have any rival when they're only, you know, Fairweather fans. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I would like what I thought
2: was kind of blossoming too. not to get too far off topic. I want to I want a rivalry if we're going to go in, in the new school rivalry. I want Davidson as a rival. I just think I think it, it already is. Yeah, I think I, it, I,
0: mean, I think we've lost them a little bit too much. Yes, lately, yeah, I still yeah. think yeah. it is because we're we're similar style schools, yep. same similar sizes. Yeah. I think I think there's it's a it's a. Long distance, north south, but I think there's yeah. I think there's something brewing there.
2: Geographically, doesn't make much sense, but as long as we're in the same conference, we our our games with Davidson are always really really good. It seems like um, we've been on the losing end too end too many times, but you know, going back to the three overtime game or you know Posley's game winner, and I, I just think, and like you said, very similar sized schools and you know a similar similar uh, fan base. I would say.
0: They broke our hearts in 2016. Yeah. I mean, that that adds to the fuel of it. Like that's yeah. that's where rivalries get made when it's like, oh, remember in 2016, and yeah. you know, hopefully we'll we'll do something to them maybe this year or next year that breaks them apart. <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly, and they're I mean they're a tough they're a tough matchup for us. Let's be honest, they're always and McKillop and Schmidt, two very long tenured, well respected coaches in the A10 as well.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, by the way, this just rem- reminds me: we gotta get uh, we gotta get Jack Gibbs on the pod. Before yeah, another,
2: Davidson. <laughs> another part, you know, it's a rival. I mean, he hates Bonas in our fans.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> and like he, he follows me on Twitter, and I yeah. hit him up, and he just I don't know, he didn't read the. Deon that's quote, our goal. I'll, I'll get back around to that's him our this time. goal
2: for before the Davidson game. We gotta get Jack Gibbs on here.
0: Yeah, uh, I'll give him a pass because he's overseas. <laughs> yeah, that's why I missed the timing on it.
2: <laughs> hey, I mean, Andrew's in China, and we got him. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. Five to shoot, Lofton has to hoist and he'll hit it. Kyle Lofton's a magician in the lane. All right, so we got a couple of questions from some people, our wonderful fans here on SB Unfurled and Friends. Unfurled, go ahead. The main question, and I kind of thought this would be,
2: you know, during the games people are even asking about this topic, Winston only played five minutes in the first game, played more last game, uh, 13 against Hofstra, but just hasn't, hasn't looked has like he has taken that next step so uh, people are pretty much just asking what the deal is with what uh winston
0: i don't have any inside information beyond what we're all seeing on tv yeah 13 minutes against hofstra i just know there was one stretch where he had like a turnover and then missed a wide open layup in like a fast break situation and then got a foul in like yeah. a two minute stretch and i'm just like what is going on like i wasn't even mad at him mm-hmm. i just felt bad because I mean, we were in Toronto. Like, I know, like, I saw, like, what happened there and what he's capable of. And he's a great, talented player. And I'm just like, what is going on? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, maybe he's getting a little frustrated because Jalen Attaway has more experience. Mm -hmm. But he should still be able to be – he should be the sixth man off the bench. He should be able to spell Attaway. He should be able to even spell uh, Dom. I wouldn't spell him for uh, Oshun because we've usually seen that has been an issue because he's undersized for a five. right. But I think he should be that guy, and I, I hope he can turn around and like I don't want to. It's hard to speculate on stuff you don't know about. Like I don't want to like say like oh maybe he had COVID and he's like sluggish. I don't know because like, we don't know if he does. Right. I don't want to say that he does, but like we don't really know what's going on with him. You may know better. <laughs> no, I mean not really. From what I've seen, it's it's the defense.
2: Uh, I don't know if the staff can trust him yet. Uh, um in their defensive rotations and schemes um, sometimes he'll get kind of lost on defense where they he, he offensively he's definitely an a10 player um, but in order to play for Schmidt, you gotta know where you're supposed to be you have to be able to play tough defense and I think they just trust Adaway more right now. Adaway is really moving his feet even though he might give up an inch or two or even three or four against some of the fours. He's always going to be in the right spot, moving his feet, um, and he's very athletic too, so he doesn't even play like he's 6'5". I just think it's a trust issue right now, and I, I think he'll figure it out. Um, but yeah, he's just I, he might be in his own head with the short leash that Schmidt has. It's tough for guys to get into a rhythm when every time you do something, you're worried you're going to mess up and get pulled. Um, You know, We've seen guys go through that far too often. So I I would like it if he could just stay out there and kind of get into his rhythm and build some confidence, but um, we're going to have to sacrifice a little on the defensive end, it looks like.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, Got a next question? (laughs) What's the plan for Anthony
2: Roberts? When can he play and what does he bring? I listed him as questionable for the Hofstra game. Pretty much knew he wouldn't play against Akron. For the UB game, I, I kind of got him as probable. I think it's between questionable and probable that he's back. Um, I don't think he'll play too much. They'll probably ease him in, but he brings a a scoring punch off the bench, like we said, and we're going to need that in certain games, especially because, you know, Creel's not the outside scorer that Roberts is. And I think that's kind of why Creel didn't play too much against Hofstra. Schmidt, probably didn't want him in against that 2-3 zone too much. you got to be able to shoot if you're playing against a zone. That's maybe where he lacked minutes that that Creel will make up later against man-to-man teams. And it would have been – Hofstra would have been a game, I think, where Anthony Roberts would have played really well. And when we see those teams that are in zones and we need shooters, I think Roberts is going to be a – a good scoring option for us. And I think he's a really good defender too, from what I've heard.
0: I hope so. Cause I haven't seen him yet, uh, yeah. but he's coming from Kent state and Kent state's a really good program. They made the tournament, I believe like four years ago or so yeah. they they're yeah. a good program. And so he has to have some talent because he wouldn't be there. And he transferred from there on a high note, like he was wanting yep. to succeed on a higher level than the Mac. So that's, yeah. that's a good, that's a good sign. And hopefully, we we see what you mentioned with his um his defense and his ability to spell often and his outside shooting.
2: Yeah, and, and right before we get to our last question, one someone close to the program who knows way more than we do said he like good players will find a way to get minutes no matter if it's at the 1, at the 2, at the 3 and he is one of the most overall talented if not this is what this person said, the most talented player all-around player on the team
0: natural versatility and yeah. talent not necessarily like oh he's more skilled than Oshun. yeah and defense or loft and he's a better pass than loft just, just all around i get yeah. what you're saying yep exactly <laughs> that makes sense all right what's the last one uh
2: will our starting five be vulnerable come a 10 play without a true four that can
0: guard the post it could be I don't know if anybody listening has been watching St. Louis. We're recording this on Sunday night at 8.07 right now, so they just tipped off in Minnesota. So we don't know how that game ended, but St. Louis is – they're not nearly as good as Dayton was last year, but they're clearly the number one team right now, and they have a lot of big guys down low, whether it's Hassan French. They got Martin Linson, who's a – I think he's a transfer or international player that just joined them. Mm -hmm. And then they got Javante Perkins – and Javante Perkins would be the place where that would get exploited. And you can go down the list, whether it's Richmond with Grant Golden and Nathan Kayo, or you can go down with other players too on other teams. Yeah. So that could absolutely be an issue come A10 time.
2: Yeah. And, you know, this is why the staff wanted Paulie poly Polycap from Manhattan so
0: bad this offseason. He actually chose oh. DePaul. Oh, wait. Paul. That's Pauly, right. Pauly, I remember hearing his name and I'm yeah. like, I want him just for the name. DePauly, and I, didn't, I didn't even put that together. Because yeah. he went to DePaul. DePaul. Yeah. <laughs> DePauly He cap. was like a 6'8",
2: eight pow, true for a true power forward, defensive minded, really tough, skilled player. They wanted him really bad for this exact reason for the St. Louis's of the world. I think we'll get a good taste um against SUNY Amherst. You know, they're kind of like a a poor man St. Louis this year, I would say. They're pretty physical and they have some good scores. And they got, you know, they got guys down low who can bruise you up a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see what if Schmidt does try to mix up the lineups a little bit. Because yeah, Attaway on other teams might be a three. And Winston, he is 6'8, but you know, he like we just talked about defensively against St. Louis or some of these other teams with, with big, big skilled front court, they're going to struggle through stretches. And we're going to just have to deal with that without uh, a true force. So yeah, I do think we're, we're going to be vulnerable against certain teams, but we got to kind of play at our own pace and maybe try to make them make adjustments to how we're playing because we do have a ton of other options out there
0: well a quick mention of it Jalen Shaw's been getting some good run yeah we talked about him a little bit do you think he would be somebody that would step in to that role as a four for like a St. Louis in that particular matchup
2: I think Bonafanatic actually asked us this question last time will we see Shaw and Ocean out there at the same time and I said no like from everything I've seen from Schmidt I would still say no like I Schmidt is kind of the coach where Shaw is Ocean's backup, and that's that's it. Like he's not going to play him at the four because that's not how they practice. So it's either Oshun at the five or Shaw at the five, and neither of them are going to play the four. Based on it, it, would make sense. What you're saying would make sense in certain instances to have you know the two six ten guys down there if you have to, um, and maybe we will. I. I don't think we really saw Oshun and Ahmadian at the same time ever. If we did, it was for like a minute or two, but I, you know, with Schmidt, I just don't see it.
0: No, that's true. Just a thought I had, and I want yeah. to get another excuse to talk about Shaw because <laughs> that fast break he had yeah. was awesome. Even though, even though that was like the beginning of like when everything started falling apart against Hafsha, that dunk was, was great. Yeah. Was <laughs> I love incredible. his energy already.
2: <laughs> I was not expecting a steel and coast to coast, uh dunk or layup i think he dunked it right
0: oh he dunked that yeah.
2: oh that was a dunk you better believe i was not expecting that from the big guy at all
0: <laughs> by the way as we wind down here final score on the ub meter since i'll count this one it was six to four okay. you lost
2: <laughs> it. yeah so it's too yeah. late to make that up too or
0: i would just be forcing it nah
2: <laughs> when we do the recap we'll be talking about how we kick suny Amherst's ass and then yeah
0: maybe you'll beat me on the recap yeah exactly <laughs> Well, thank you so much, everybody, for joining us here on SB Unfurled, and friends, be sure to subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you want to get them. If we don't have your podcast format, let us know. We'll try to add it in here. Follow us on Twitter, at LilBanaX, at SB Unfurled. For all your crazy content, whether it's cool graphics or bad jokes or good jokes, we don't know. Whatever will happen, will happen. Thank you again so much for listening to us. Have a Merry, Merry Christmas, and we will see you next time. Yeah.